When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Dan. Before we get started here on the podcast, I've got to remind you to go take that survey that I've been telling you about all week. Uh, It really helps us out moving forward on this podcast for you to just take a few minutes and go to cleveland.com slash orange brown survey. That's all one word, cleveland.com slash orange brown survey and fill out that podcast and let us know what you think. We'd really appreciate it. And on today's podcast, Mary Kay Scott and I are going to look back at day one of mandatory minicamp. We all got to go watch practice from afar. Some of the sight lines were tough. We didn't quite see everything we wanted to see, but we got enough here to give you some takeaways from day one of mandatory minicamp in Berea. Another thing we were doing today while we were at practice is we were texting our subscribers. And what you need to do to get signed up for that is go to cleveland.com slash browns and become a football insider. It's the blue banner at the top of the page. So you get to have a subscription to our texting service. You get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. And you get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. So again, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to become a football insider subscriber. All right, now our recap of day one of mandatory minicamp. Let's get right to it. Mary Kay, what stood out to you from Tuesday? The two biggest things that I went in looking for were Odell Beckham Jr. in his first practice since tearing the ACL, and then Jadavian Clowney on the other side of the ball, practicing with the Cleveland Browns for the very first time and also coming off of a torn meniscus. So those were the two big things that I wanted to see. Now, where we were standing, it was hard to see the offense. They were, they were on the very far field and it was difficult. I could see some things because I had binoculars, but if you didn't have binoculars, it it would have been really, really hard to see what was going on over there. Uh, But you could tell that, um, that Odell Beckham Jr. in his first practice back didn't do those mind-blowing things that we were seeing him do on social media. He was very, very limited. He was kept to individuals' drills and just a few drills on air. Didn't participate in the team stuff, the 11-on-11s. He was not doing those kinds of things. So good to see him back out there. Good to see him back with the team. We didn't really get to see him, you know, just lighting it up and showing off the fact that he's doing great only six and a half months out of surgery. Just real briefly, Clowney, I was very impressed with what I saw with Jadavian Clowney, just in terms of physical stamina, his explosiveness, his quickness, just watching him practice for the first time and interact with the guys. It was a a cool thing to see. We we, we got a close-up view of the defensive line because, like I said, that's that's kind of the group that was closest to us. And I spent a lot of the time looking at Clowney and looking at Miles Garrett, just kind of comparing them in a way, you know, because – we all know Miles Garrett. I mean, we saw him at the draft with his suit that I'm sorry. I, I don't know who put him in that suit, but it was clearly was not a suit that fit him properly. Still, it probably scared the bejesus out of most quarterbacks seeing him in that suit. Anyways, he looked the same way in, in, uh, in his uniform today, just, you know, the Jersey and shorts and everything, but compared to Clowney, who 
about an inch taller, about 20 pounds lighter. It's like, like Miles Garrett is your power forward, right? And then Clowney is more like your stretch three. He's not as, as bulky as Miles Garrett, but obviously they are both imposing. And, and watching them go through drills, they, they definitely stood out. Nobody really matched Miles Garrett going around there. They kind of had a figure eight drill set up to, to kind of mimic getting around the corner and nobody really, really matched Miles Garrett in that. But, but Clowney looked, looked fine in, in the drills that he did and any concerns about him coming off uh, a season where he missed most of the time to injury, I think they got to be pretty confident going into this offseason about where he's at. Okay, so let's go back to Odell real quickly. I was surprised to see him. Obviously, I wasn't surprised to see him there. I was surprised to see him, like, when we first arrived doing individual drills, and it didn't appear there was a brace on the knee or anything like that. I was I was just surprised. I, I thought maybe we'd see him to stand on the side or something for, for most of practice, and obviously he wasn't out there in, in team stuff, but I thought he looked really good, and this is one of those cases where you know, you see the stuff on social media and he looks really good, but only the good stuff goes on social media anyway. But this seemed to kind of mimic what we've been seeing all along from him in, in his rehab. Yeah, I think it just really bodes well for training camp and for the start of the season. I think he really looks to be on track to be able to play against the Kansas City Chiefs on September 12th. Now, no one knows for sure if he'll be able to play the whole game. Uh, no one knows for sure if he'll even start the game. But it looks to me... Like he's on pace for that. And I think that's just great for the Browns because I think he can be the difference maker in that game. I mean, you get him out there and uh, he's raring to go. I think that almost man for man, if you just break it down, I, I think the Browns really do match up very, very well against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, of course, we all know right now they, the Chiefs still have the edge at, at quarterback, but with all the talent around Baker Mayfield, I think that the Cleveland Browns can give them a run for their money, not only in the opener, but of course, more importantly, when they have to face them again, most likely at some point in the playoffs. Scott, what did you think of Odell when you saw him today? And again, obviously this is one of those things where we just didn't get to see a lot, but I mean, when you show up and you see him going through that, those individual drills. Yeah, it was, I mean, and, and I didn't see much of my, I noticed that he was there. It, just like we've said with Grant and Greedy, the fact that guys like that are on the field at this point in the offseason is important because they were all question marks going into this offseason. We didn't really know, you know, when they would get back on the field. If we had seen none of them during OTAs or minicamp and had to wait till training camp, I don't think that would have been a shocker. You know, I think we probably would have looked at that as like, you know, they're being cautious and, and why have them out there. But but they are doing drills and whether it's against air or whatever, at least, you know, in Odell's case, at least they're out there doing that. So it, it would, it's got to give the coaching staff some excitement, Baker, some excitement, fans, some excitement. And it's, you know, you're, you're kind of crossing some questions off the board here going into the off season. So then going back to Clowney too, and, and that defensive line, by the way, that was the loudest group on, on the practice field on, Tuesday they were they were into it they were competitive they were yelling they were they were having the times the times of their lives over there <laughs> but I think today you know getting those eyeballs on Clowney and, and we talked about this I think it was on Monday's podcast like just getting eyeballs on guys you don't become a number one pick in the draft if you aren't some kind of like physical freak you know you could have a million sacks in college but if you're not a physical freak nobody's going to take you number one in the draft if you're an edge rusher 
you've got to be that Miles Garrett type freakish athlete. And I think today putting eyeballs on Jadavian and not seeing him in a competitive situation, but just putting eyeballs on him, seeing him run, seeing him move, you're kind of reminded, okay, yeah, that there's a reason this guy went number one overall. Yeah, you know what? There's there's a certain athleticism for for a guy like that that you could just see it. I mean, it just stands out immediately. Just you know, just the way they move, the way they uh, the way they get around uh, the bags, the way they uh, even work on the sleds. Just just everything about an elite football player jumps out at you. Now, I don't think he was necessarily obviously. This is a mini camp practice. It's not a game. It wasn't like he was going one hundred percent all guns blazing full speed, but he was pretty fast and explosive in the things that, uh, that we saw him do. The thing about him is that he looked a little bit leaner than I expected. I'm used to seeing Miles Garrett, as Scott mentioned, uh, and we've talked about, he looked like the incredible Hulk in that green suit, right? So Miles is just uh, just a bigger, bigger guy, just big, explosive, and, and he's bulked up this year. I mean, he just has. Remember a couple of years ago when he trained with Stipe and, you know, he did some different things and he wanted to be faster off the edge and he dropped a little bit of weight. Now he seems uh, to be trending more towards power, that he wants to be bigger and more powerful. That's what it looks like. And, and Jadavian looked leaner than I expected him to be. And I don't know if that's also by design. As you mentioned, Scott, he's 20 pounds lighter. And I don't know if this is the weight that he always plays at because I've never really seen him in person before at a practice, but he looked leaner than I expected him to. When I looked at other guys on the defensive line, there were other things that stood out to me a little bit. And here, here's what they are. I didn't expect Malik Jackson to be as tall as he is, right? When I think of defensive tackles, I do think of them as a little bit shorter and a little bit wider. But Malik Jackson looked built like a defensive end to me, okay, which which is where the versatility comes in. I mean, he looked like one and he's going to play one at times. And now I can kind of I get it. I see why. And I watched him, you know, going around the bags and, and that kind of thing, too. And you, you can kind of see where he has that edge rush ability where he can get to the passer. So that I found to be kind of interesting. Tack McKinley, I kind of knew what his dimensions were. But when I actually saw him for the first time in person, he was shorter than I expected him to be. Once again, he's a defensive end. And I'm used to guys, you know, I'm used to seeing Miles. I'm used to seeing guys that are a little bit taller. He's 6'2". So he was a little shorter. Malik was a little taller. Tack just, you know, in general was just a little bit smaller of a human being than I expected him to be. But still fast, explosive. You guys, I'm sure, saw this one situation where uh, he was he was making the turn around the bag as fast as he could possibly go. And he lost his footing and he got so mad at himself. And I thought, you know, that's good. That's a really good sign that he cares this much in a minicamp practice about losing his footing that he, you know, whatever. He, he cussed himself out or he chastised himself or whatever, you know, you know, slapped, clapped his hands or something. But he was really mad when that happened. And I thought. That's good. He wants to be good at this and he's trying really hard. Uh, so I thought that was a good sign. But just physically, uh, it was interesting to, you know, just as we always say, to get eyeballs on these guys for the first time. Yeah, he was really into it. That's for sure. Uh, on those drills, because not everybody. I mean, obviously, they're they're putting effort into it, but he just kind of ramped it up. I think the thing with Clowney is we didn't really see any drills that 
kind of showed off what he's really good at because he's, again, he's not the guy who's going to try to beat you around the edge. Like miles Garrett is he's, he'll kind of get you lean one way and use his quickness or power to go inside. And, you know, he did, he did the drill where they're kind of slapping at pads, but that kind of just lacks something because it's just a big pad there. And it's, you know, it's like a weeble wobble. It's going to move when you want it to seeing Billings too uh, was something. And, and he was there uh, for, for the OTAs as well, but um, that's a large man. He's listed at 328. And there was one point, I'm not sure what happened, but when they were doing uh, full team drills, him and one of the other linemen ended up doing a kind of a jog across the field. I don't know if they had jumped off sides or if something had happened, but I mean, he, the man could move for a 328 pound, I think he's 6'1", over at what, 115 pounds or so more than me. He's about probably four and a half Mary Kays. He's, he's <laughs> like, he's huge. So, uh, but watching him run that sprint, it's like, this, it's always kind of amazing when you go to these practices and see such large men be able to, to move that well. He kind of, he kind of stood out to me, but yeah, I'd like to see them, to see something here, maybe tomorrow, maybe maybe on Thursday that really shows off uh, what Clowney can do in, in tight spaces and kind of show off his athleticism a little more than, than what they're doing today. Yeah. Unfortunately, when it comes to these defensive linemen, we're, we're, I mean, we're just not watching football out there. You know, we're watching walkthroughs, we're watching seven on sevens, you know, they're, they're protecting their guys a lot. We're not actually watching guys play football. So it's, you know, I, I don't know that we're going to glean a lot from, you know, what kind of players these guys are going to be on Sundays over the next couple of days, but at least we're seeing them kind of move and, and getting all 90 guys together, I think is, is important. Now, two other guys that were out there and they, we've seen them already, but they were out there working in some of the team drills were Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit. So Mary Kay, this is kind of a situation sort of like Odell, sort of like Clowney where, we get to come away from this week feeling like, okay, those two guys are going to be ready to go come July 27th or, or pretty close to it. Yeah, it was a good sign. It was a good sign. Uh, and it, it really said to me that come training camp, these guys are, are going to be out there working in team drills. They're going to have a ramp up period for training camp the same way sort of that they did last year. But these guys are going to be out there and we've been hearing it. We, they've been telling us they're going to be there. And uh, it really looks like that's going to be the case. And I think uh, that is just so tremendous for those guys and for the Browns after that day. I mean, you guys were there. We'll never forget. There goes Grant. There goes Greedy. And it was the uh, on the very same day. And it was the end of both of them for the whole entire season. We didn't know that in the moment, but uh, it was the end for both of them. So to see them back out in 11 on 11s today and getting some, some work with the ones, uh, both of them at, you know, at different times, it was, it was great to see. And I, I think the competition in the secondary is going to, it's going to be amazing. It really is. There are so many good guys in this secondary and you saw them, uh, you know, you saw them making plays today, Dan, you and I saw the one where, um, where Greg Newsom uh, knocked a ball down, almost picked off Baker Mayfield over the middle, yeah. you know, so that was something. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that even though it's not real football yet, that's what you want to be doing in these practices. You want to be starting to uh, stand out and show up and make an impact. There's a lot of personality back there. There's a lot of versatility. And it's, it's a really, really cool group of guys back there. 
Yeah, there was a lot of cheering going on on the defensive sideline when they were doing seven-on-seven seven drills, that's for sure. Uh, and this is important, too, for Baker and the offense, having those guys out there and knowing that you're going to go into camp uh, with those guys because we all remember last season or last training camp uh, when, you know, just the defensive backfield just went through so many injuries. And there's a big difference between what Baker's going to face this season or this this camp in the secondary versus last year when you, know, you might have Tavier Thomas or Robert Jackson out there filling in for guys who are injured, obviously Terrence Mitchell instead of Greedy Williams, things like that. So, and then obviously at, at safety, there was issues back there as well. Having this talent and having the depth because these guys are already on the field is going to be big and just preparing the offense. It's good to see those guys out there. I thought it was also good to see Newsom, you know, make a play like that. And he was getting some first team work in seven on sevens. So that, that was interesting to, to see as well. You know, I don't have a lot to add to what you guys said. It's just you feel really good about all four of these guys that we've really spent time on here, the injured guys coming back from pretty serious injuries. You feel good about where they're going to be, if not at the start of training camp, at least early in training camp. Now, one other thing today, we got to talk to Nick Chubb and Denzel Ward uh, today. And those, of course, are two guys who are eyeing extensions. So, Scott, when you kind of think about those two, see what they said, did, did you feel any differently about whether something might or might not get done with those guys this offseason? Ward saying that they've talked, I think, makes me think that that could happen. I thought it's always weird to me when, like Nick Chubb basically said, I, I think my agent talked. I believe he has. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just something with professional athletes. Like they're just fine letting someone else just handle that and not really caring. Or maybe this is just something they say and they're really on top of it and understand they don't want to share anything. But it's always weird when you hear a, a, a player just kind of say, yeah, that's, I'm not really concerned about that. It's, it, I got someone on that. I got a guy, you know, I know a guy. He's, he's taking care of it. But I think Ward maybe stands out to me more as, as, as somebody who might get something done uh, more so than Chubb, probably because of the way Chubb reacted to it. And also from what we've talked about a lot over on the podcast over this offseason, that it might make sense for them to wait uh, on Nick Chubb. I've also said that I think they should wait on Denzel Ward. So, so who knows? But uh, if I was putting money on it, it seems like maybe Ward is, is a step or two closer. It's, it's so hard to handicap it, ha- handicap it right now. It's really, really difficult to say what, what is going to happen with these extensions, right? Because uh, it takes two to tango, as we know. So even if the Browns wanted to get Nick done before, you know, training camp or before the season or whatever, uh, it has to be something that his agent and Nick are going to agree upon. And, you know, that one I think can be a little bit tricky, Uh, because, you know, he's an elite running back and he should make elite money. And we're not sure how analytics folks want, you know, want to deal with that. But I think they'll be able to come up with something. I mean, it's Nick Chubb. I think they'll be able to come up with a contract that works for the team and works for the player and has some incentives in it. I think they can get that one done. I also think they can get Denzel done because Denzel is pretty routine. It's sort of a standard contract. You know, it's not going to break the bank. It's not going to dictate how who you can sign or not sign over the next four years like Baker's will. Uh, so I think, you know, I think they can take a little bit more time with Baker and sort of just make sure they've got it all their ducks in a row. You've really, you cannot rush into that one. That one, you just have to just make sure uh, that it's going to be right for, for everybody involved going forward. 
I think the other ones are kind of standard. And I, I don't think, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody gets done before training camp, during training camp, Nick, Denzel, both of them, I, I could see it happening. Or even at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes that's when these things kind of get done too. I, I mean, I think the question with Denzel is, is pretty easy. Like you said, Mary Kay, it's, you know, do you want to give him five years, a hundred million dollars right now? That's, that's basically it to me. You know, I would do it, Scott, you've said, maybe you've said you would wait. I, I think, you know, you've got that fifth year option. You can wait if you want to see if he stays healthy, see if he has another big year. I, I, I do think ultimately though, when they do sit down to decide to do it, yeah, it's a pretty easy contract as far as money's concerned. Chubb, as we've talked about a lot, is a little more complicated. How do you want to allow yourself to get out of it? But then, of course, with Chubb, it's, I mean, this guy's a fan favorite. And I do think that matters a little bit. I think the, the way that fans have connected with Nick Chubb and what he's meant to this franchise and this organization does mean something as they try to navigate through this. It's not, it's not always just what happens on the field in a vacuum. Yeah. And you know what, the other, the other important thing about both of these two guys that they mentioned today is that they really both want to be here. Denzel, I asked him, is this where you want to finish your career? And he said, yes, this is where I want to finish my career in a perfect world. That's what I would want. Nick, this is where I would want to be. I don't like uncertainty. I don't like the unknown. That to me says hometown discount agent, go get something done for me. So I, I think just the way these players feel about wanting to be here, I think it will help the negotiations. Yeah, I came away from Nick Chubb's answers to that question feeling more confident that he would sign than maybe Ward. Ward sounded like a, that was like a canned response that anybody would say, yeah, in a perfect world, I'd love to be here. I mean, they're, they're both going to say some variation of, I want to be here. You know, they're not going to say, well, I don't know. I mean, we'll see, you know, but they said what, what you would expect them to say, but I thought Nick Chubb talking about the unknown, that came across, I think, as more sincere to me. Well, if I'm Nick Chubb's agent, I'm saying, buddy, you're a running back at every single cent that you can out of this contract because there might not be another big contract coming. But again, I think the Browns have the flexibility to go what we think is out of character and, and give a running back, a, you know, whether it's a Derrick Henry type or a Joe Mixon type contract, something like that. I think there's I think there's room to probably do that. OK. That was the first of three mini camp practices that we're going to get to watch this week. We'll have recaps of all the mini camp action, or I guess whatever you want to call it, throughout the week on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. So make sure you're subscribed to this feed wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure you take that survey, cleveland.com slash orange brown survey, all one word. And last thing, make sure you're a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. For Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.